hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. If you go to Mass today, you'll hear from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. So we're continuing our exploration of the early early chapters of the Gospel of Mark. So let's start by looking at the text. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus went with James and John straight to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now Simon's mother-in-law had gone to bed with fever, and they told him about her straight away. He went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were possessed by devils. The whole town came crowding around the door, and he cured many who were suffering from diseases of one kind or another. He also cast out many devils, but he would not allow them to speak, because they knew who he was. In the morning, long before dawn, he got up and left the house, and went off to a lonely place and prayed there. Simon and his companions set out in search of him, and when they found him, they said, Everybody is looking for you. He answered, Let us go elsewhere to the neighbouring country towns, so that I can preach there too because that is why I came. And he went all through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out devils. Okay, so starting this passage here, verse 29, it says, on leaving the synagogue, or uh, in a more literal translation, immediately he left the synagogue. There's that key mark word there, immediately. So this tells us that the incident we're about to hear about happens straight after the previous incident, Remember in yesterday's exegesis, we looked at uh, the demon-possessed man in the synagogue. So this happens straight after that. They leave the synagogue and Jesus takes James and John straight to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now at this stage, these are the only four apostles. Jesus hasn't found the other eight yet. We just have these four. Simon and Andrew live in Capernaum. So they're going to Simon and Andrew's family house. Uh, Archaeologists have actually found this house. Uh, I've seen it in in Capernaum, and you can go there and look at it. It's quite incredible. They've set it up in such a way that you can look right into the actual house. Uh, They found it because there was a church built over the top of it fairly soon after the life of Jesus, and that's how they found the church. So this house, Peter's house, is made up of a cluster of small rooms made of uh, rock, and then there's also a surrounding open courtyard for the extended family. So this is a a house that was pretty big and hosted a large-ish family. And we're introduced in verse 30 to Simon's mother-in-law. So that tells us that Simon had a wife. If he had a mother-in-law, he had to have a wife, uh, which we don't often think about because Peter doesn't talk about his wife much. Uh, apparently, she also accompanied Peter on later missionary journeys. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, There's a reference there which strongly suggests that Peter did have a wife. And she's gone to bed with fever. Not gone to bed as in she's going to have a rest. She's bedridden. Probably caused by malaria. That's what most fevers were caused by. Or bed, you know, uh, serious fevers were caused by malaria. So her life could be in danger here. Uh, So Peter and his brother... Tell, Peter, tell Jesus about it, and straight away, so the word immediately appears there, he took her by the hand and helped her up. 
Notice there's no words spoken here. He just takes her by the hand and she gets up. In this case, it's just the physical touch of Jesus that brings about the healing. This is the first physical healing in the entire Gospel of Mark. And as soon as that happens, she began to wait on them. So in a sense, that's normal for the matriarch of the family. They would do a lot of jobs around the house and look after the guests. But also, she's probably grateful that Jesus has just healed her. Interestingly, the word here that's used in terms of her waiting on them is diakonio, diakonio in Greek, which is where we get the word deacon or servant. Verse 32, that evening after sunset. So we're still on the same day, but now we're up to sunset. You can sort of hear the words of Peter coming through here. Remember, Mark is basically Peter's gospel. Mark wrote down the words of Peter's preaching. And you can imagine Peter recalling this situation at his house. They've just healed his mother, and now everyone's coming to the house. So you can sort of hear some uh, Peter's recollection coming through here. The fact that it's after sunset, we might miss that, but it is important. Remember, it's the Sabbath day. It's still the same day as when Jesus was preaching on the Sabbath. And according to the Jewish law at the time, there's a certain things that people couldn't do on the Sabbath. And one of the things that Jews couldn't do is they couldn't deal with burdens on the Sabbath. So, well, they're not really supposed to travel either, but they certainly shouldn't be investing a lot of time in having their burdens dealt with. And that comes from Jeremiah 17, verse 24. But the Sabbath finishes at sunset. So as soon as about 6 p.m. comes around to the Jews, that's the end of the Sabbath. And so they all flock to Jesus after sunset, they come to the house. Those who are sick and those who are possessed by the devils are the two categories here. And these are the uh, two main types of healings that Jesus does. Think about uh, what they have in common, those who are sick and those who are possessed by devils. Uh, Both of those are signs of Satan's dominion over the world. In in this particular period of salvation history, Satan is in charge of the world. And one of the ways that shows up is in his dominion over people's bodies. Now, that doesn't mean every sickness is uh, demonic directly. But in a way, all illness is a result of Satan's influence on the world. So Satan here has a hold of these people. And the fact that Jesus is healing them is a sign that the kingdom of God has come. So the territory of Satan is being overthrown and the territory is being reclaimed for God. And that's the whole point of the kingdom of God. Verse 33, we learn that the whole town is at the door. And that's certainly possible. Capernaum probably only had a population of a few hundred. So everyone is there. They've come to the house. They're crowding around the door of Peter's house. So apparently Jesus is, well, he's either sitting just outside the house or he's most likely inside the house and they're bringing people to him and he's healing them inside Peter's house. The Greek here implies that he's attending to each person individually. He's healing each, he's not doing a mass healing, he's attending to each person individually. Says he cast out many demons, but he would not allow them to speak because they knew who he was. And remember, we talked about this in yesterday's episode. The demons know that Jesus is the Messiah, but Jesus doesn't want the people as a whole, to know that yet. Because he knows that the common Jewish understanding of the Messiah is that the Messiah will be a political figure. So if people hear that he's the Messiah, the Messiah's come, 
things might happen too quickly. They might get the wrong idea about his mission and things probably wouldn't go the way that Jesus wants them to go. So Jesus only reveals himself in stages and it's according to his timeline. Verse 35, there's a transition here. So eventually everyone goes to bed. Uh, Verse 35, in the morning, long before dawn, so probably 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., he goes off to a lonely place, and that's probably a hill surrounding the Sea of Galilee, and we know that Jesus spent some time in those hills. And he prayed there. So he goes off by himself to get away from the crowds to pray. Jesus often does this. He goes off in solitude, and prayer is the source of his strength in the Gospels. Jesus knows that he has to pray. If he doesn't pray, if he doesn't commune with his Father, he's not going to have the energy required for his messianic mission. Verse 36, everyone's wondering where Jesus is because he snuck out early in the morning. So Simon and his companions set out in search for him. So it's a whole search party. Eventually they find him. We're not sure what time of the day it is now, but it's probably late in the morning. Verse 37, everyone is searching for you. Jesus has become very popular by this stage and everyone's coming. They want to hear him preach and they want to be healed. But Jesus doesn't say, okay, I'll come back. He says, let us go elsewhere to the neighboring country town so that I can preach there too. So Jesus is always careful never to stay in one place for too long. He wants to get around to as many towns as possible because he knows that he has a limited time to preach and he wants lots of people to have the opportunity to hear him. He says, because that is why I came. If you think about that phrase, because that is why I came, sort of implies that there's sort of a Trinitarian implication here. It implies that he's been sent by the Father from heaven. That is why I came, as in came to earth for his messianic mission. Last verse, verse 39, he went through all Galilee And so Galilee is one of the states of Israel. So he goes through this entire northern fishing area of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out devils. So people would usually come to the synagogues to hear from God anyway. So Jesus figures that's the best place to give people information about God because they're open to it. So Jesus is working on the local level at this point. He wants to help as many people in the local villages as he can. And that's the end of the passage. So, how does the Catholic Church develop teachings based on what we've heard here from Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to 39? There's only one reference to this passage in the Catechism, and that's in the section about Jesus praying. Here's what paragraph 2602 says. Jesus often draws apart to pray in solitude on a mountain, preferably at night. He includes all men in his prayer, for he has taken on humanity in his incarnation. And he offers them to the Father when he offers himself. Jesus, the word who has become flesh, shares by his human prayer in all that his brethren experience. He sympathizes with their weaknesses in order to free them. It was for this that the Father sent him. His words and his works are the visible manifestation of his prayer in secret. So that's a really nice passage there reminding us that Jesus prayed. He prayed a lot and he prayed in private and that was the source of all of his strength. And that catechism passage references Mark chapter 1 here as one of the references. So that's our passage for today. Hopefully you learned something new and we'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.